Okay, Coach, we're ready to go. It's been two weeks because I completely just dirt last week and didn't realize I was going to be out of town until I was like, hey, Coach, I'm not going to be there Friday. So um, my name is Sherry Wilson, the owner of Genius Owl, Wisdom for Life and Your Profession, brander, consultant, etc., and a person who loves to deliver excellent and elite service. Coach, hit us off. I am the guy that hangs out in the wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm the guy that's, I'm the guy that's um, here to help you to discover and accomplish the intangible things, right? Yep. Um, we all understand the role that money works or has in our lives. Mm -hmm. But then what is beyond that door? Yeah. Right. You know, what is beyond that door? I'm the guy that helps you with what happens beyond the door mm -hmm. after you successfully launch your business plan and your financial statements looks nice. Then you need something else in your life. I'm that guy. Yeah. Right. The guy from the wilderness. Yeah. And that's neat um, that yeah. you put it that way, coach, because that's a lot of our work. I would say the majority and uh, in our intensive, that's what we get into because it's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, people can like we, um, let's see, I think it was episode, are you ready? Where we talked about how people think they want a certain thing. And then when they find themselves in it, it's like, man, this is not what I was wanting. And uh, it's always the intangibles. And so um, speaking of, you've got a topic and uh, so maybe give us a little bit of background and then, you know, like what you want to talk about and then take us off in that direction. Okay. So, so the topic is, um, now I have a greater understanding of why individuals do not accomplish uh, important goals in life. And that idea came to me um, from the experience of my uh, most recent uh, Elcon, which was successful on multiple levels. Yeah. But the the pulling the trigger and harvesting of the animal was not the greatest success on the hunt. It was actually what I ended up learning because of the type of environment that I was in. Yeah. And I would have to say that the environment in which I hunted in was the classic old school, rugged, backcountry uh, elk hunting environment where you didn't have access to motorized technology, um, the places where your horses couldn't go because it was too dangerous for the horses. You couldn't use any kind of transport, right? And uh, it was steep. Um, uh, you know, you're falling down and uh, the, you know, you have a 200 foot uh, gain in elevation with a 25 to 30 degrees angle slope. So, you know, it was really challenging. Yeah. Um, above eight, above 8,800 feet. Right. Yeah. So sort of like um, in the movie Star Wars, when um, I think it was uh, Luke was about to go into the cave and uh, uh, he said, what's in there? And Yoda said, only what you take with you, right? Mm -hmm. So so in this environment, um, what you took with you is what you had. Yeah. So make sure you had enough water, food to eat, and everything else, and patience. 
But the one thing about that environment was <clears throat> once you pulled the trigger, then the real work began. But, but the environment was so intimidating, it turns out that a lot of hunters avoided it. Yeah. They did not go in there. And I only found out after the fact, after I had been walking through there where I was at, somebody else had to educate me. And I guess that's probably another great thing too. Sometimes you uh, don't want other people in your ear telling you what they think you're going to that's experience. That's what I was about to say, coach. Yeah. yeah. You need to find it out on yourself. And, and I think that is an element of where real success lies. Yeah. You see, um, the difference between reading the book, watching the video, or sitting in the audience of the person that has achieved what we would say are great things is different than actually walking that journey to get there. Because those who really know are not talking. Yeah. And those who are talking, they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> right? That's good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So it was, it was interesting. It was like, um, I saw Hunter's look, but it's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going in there. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I don't want to do what it takes. It's too hard. Right. And, uh, one of the things that was interesting was even my uh, hunting partner, there were a number of times when he kept checking his app to see if there was an easier way. <laughs> and I kept telling him, I said, look, I scouted the place. Shut up and let's go. <laughs> That's it's, it's just typical of today, huh, coach? It is. It is. It was like, no, there is no other way. This is where we're going. Let's go. It's like, you need to rest, stop, have a sip, catch your breath. But this is where we're going. Yeah. Right. And, um, and he followed me. And the next thing you know, there they were. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, we moving through the rain and the fog. And I'm and I'm moving just like a, a bloodhound, right? Yeah. And the one thing that I need to say is I had mentors along the way. The people that I met there in Clovis, all of those, I'm gonna call them the tens of thousands of people that I uh I met and I talked to when I didn't know Jack. And you know, and I won't use any curse words, but um I didn't possess limited knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. I was a blank screen yeah. when I started with the dream, right? Yeah. And then over time, it was like somebody said, oh, by the way, you have to even learn how to shoot on a non-dominant side. Yep, I do. So everything that felt like a limitation, including my zero lack of knowledge, went from uh, an individual who is now leading someone that's been hunting all their lives. And for 10 years, they're on the average, right? It takes about 10 years, nine to 10 years for a hunter um, is successful harvesting an elk. I took that guy into the woods, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I led him through 
that area, mm -hmm. right? And you've been and doing it how long? Uh, I would say this is actually my third year, mm -hmm. right? This is my third year. So what takes most people 10 years, I did in three, right? What do you think was but, the one thing, Coach, that made the difference? When you, when you compare three years to it taking 10 for others? Listening. That was to be the first thing. Everything that they told me, um, I researched it and then I applied it. Yeah. Right. And the biggest thing besides the listening, and I would say it, it influenced the listening and that was my desire. That was the one thing that um, would never actually show up. Yeah. You know, and you and I talked about that, you know, uh, you know, when I was there, you know, in Clovis and I go out to the range and one day I think I'm good. And the next day I can't hit the broad side of a barn. Right. You know, all of my inexperience and lack of knowledge and um, all the, the several thousands dollars that I spent. Right. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, elk hunting is is not a inexpensive um, experience. Yeah. Right. If you're going to elk hunt for real, you spend a lot of money. Yeah, because it's not, it's not a it's not like sitting in a deer stand and it's not like walking across the field and waiting for an animal that lives in a one square mile area. Right. So it's sort of like when you hunt deer, it's sort of like um, uh, catching the bus. Yeah. Right. Uh, the city bus, you know, that the bus is going to come right here, you know, at yeah. some point every day. Well, that's what deer do. Right. Elk don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> They may be here today and they may be 15 miles away from here tomorrow, right? Yeah. Um, or an hour from now. Um, but yeah, it was it was a desire that I had. I think uh, it's important on the listening aspect to go back to the idea, though, that it's selective listening. So like if you mm -hmm. if you look at your um, desire, so like, you know, we talk about it needs, I mean, for me, you know, nine to 10, but at least eight to 10 on a scale of one to 10. Um, when you look at that fact and then people like you don't find out until after you've already gotten your, your, your hunt done and you've got your food, uh, that most people don't go there. And what I find is, you know, you've got to filter what you're hearing uh, through the desire, because if you're not a hundred percent, people's viewpoint can sway you from your dream. And uh, you have to be really careful with that. And it's not like you're not taking wisdom and adjusting as needed, but it's that people I find that tell you how hard something is usually have never even been in that place. Have you noticed that? Ding, 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 ding. That's one of the other things that I discovered too. Mm. Absolutely. And uh, and that's probably the most embarrassing piece because when you discover that the person that gave you uh, an opinion about something uh, and then you actually walk through it and you create an experience by which you are successful you actually learn something about what you heard from that person. They probably will have a difficult time speaking to you about that when they see you again, because 
they are faced with something that they actually didn't do, but they were just talking about it. Yeah. You yeah. Know. It's, uh, to me, those are people that, you know, like when, when you have that happen to you by someone, it's kind of like, why would you take money advice from someone that doesn't have any, you know, <laughs> why would you take relationship advice from someone that's been divorced five times? Like it, mm-hmm. and, and it's amazing the advice we will take, you know, and, and so it's almost like if you've got someone that's never done it. So that to me would be like a college professor who's just taught their whole life, but never actually implemented some of the things, um, yeah. which, you know, I've had a pet peeve. Me and you have talked about I'm like, coach, why are you the only sane counselor I've ever met? You know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you need to apply what you learn and you, you need to ponder, you need to challenge, you need to think, you need to do all those things. And that's something that you do. And so when people who have never experienced something tell you, oh, no, you better not experience that, it's that crab effect we talked about, you know, but a lot of them never had the negative experience. They were just told something and then they believed it and they just share that knowledge and they never step foot in that territory. If you respond to that, then you need to question if you really want what you say you do. Exactly. And that was, you know, so... You know, over the course of the um, over the course of the five days I was out there, uh, many questions came to my mind. And the in the individual that I was with, he would ask me a number of different questions, and I kept coming back to him every time he would say, "Like, man, if if only, or if, or if, or if," and I kept saying, um, "It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with." Tell me what you want. How badly do you want this thing that you say you want, right? Mm-hmm. And and also with that kind of thinking, make sure that you realize that you're tying somebody else's life up to your indecision and your lack, your true lack of desire and motivation, yeah. right? Because I said, where we are right now, we are in a place that is beyond theory. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not talking about a theory right now. You either know what you're doing or you don't know. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you either want this thing or you don't want it. So Start there. if we go to your topic of why people don't achieve their dreams, and the, the lessons you learned, one of the things you mentioned was the cost. And yeah. uh, that is really important. I um, a lot of times, like, let's say I'm dealing with people that maybe their marriage is, you know, at stake and you know, when you sit down and talk with them, you can see that one really wants change. The other doesn't care, you know? So it's kind of like after so many years, one of the, the people's gonna be like, I don't have to live like this anymore. And I'm just not going to. And, you know, I always tell them, you know, okay. So if, if you're wanting to exit this situation, there's a cost to it. That's right. So there's a cost. If you stay, there's a cost. If you go, So Mm -hmm. that will be determined, like whether you can hang when it all starts imploding is um, how bad do you want the next phase of your life, you know? And some people have said, you know what, I, I can live in this, you know, there it's, it's not to the level where I feel I need to get out. Other people, it's like, there's no way I can continue in this. So even good things have a cost, and I don't think people realize that. There's always an opportunity cost, Mm -hmm. but 
you give up in order to obtain something else? An investment. That's right. And um, I was speaking to a client this morning and he just, he was uh, in a very negative place with himself. And, um, and he was really complaining. And so I said to him, do you want me to go and get my gun? He said, what? I said, do you want me to go and get my gun? And so this is intense, listeners, so stay with me. So I did. I went and got my gun. And uh, I'm sitting here with my handgun in one hand, and I got the, and the, the loaded clip in the other. I said, so this is what you're doing right now. I said, I want you to be aware of what you're doing. So right now, the clip and my handgun are about a foot apart. And every time he kept talking and talking and talking, I'm bringing them closer together. I'm giving him a visual. Mm -hmm. I said, this is what you're really doing right now. I said, you're making excuses, but what you're really doing is you're committing a form of suicide, but you're afraid to pull a trigger. Mm -hmm. I said, so what is it? I said, so what is it? What you really are doing is you're making excuses, you're blaming circumstances, but what you're not doing is owning the truth. Yeah. You're telling lies. So let's get clear on that. But coach, I said, no, nah, don't coach me. <laughs> I said, I said, you need to hear the truth. Your circumstances are not the truth. Right. Those are excuses. Your circumstances are created by the decisions that you make that right now you are refusing to own. Yeah. So I'm saying, if you don't want to own the excuses, I meant the decisions that you're making, you might as well kill yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's looking at me, he's like, wow, man, that's intense. I said, look, get out of here with that. You're, you're focusing on the wrong things. Yeah. Right. And um, now I'm getting closer and closer and he's looking at it. It's like, geez, coach. I said, man, you're still looking at the wrong things. You're looking at me, right? I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. We're not having the same conversation. I'm telling you what you are doing. You want to live in the realm of an of excuse making. Yeah. And not res uh, accept responsibility for what you're really doing. Yeah. So if you want the life that you say you do, then you need to change. And the change begins with you owning and making different decisions and stop blaming everything else around you. Yeah. And um, and this is a this is a really talented individual. You know, he's super he's super talented. But on that level, he's no different than the countless millions of people that are on the planet. Super talented. Yeah. But they still don't achieve those deeply held dreams in their life. And that was the thing that was really clear to me when I was in the mountains and even talking with my hunting partner. I was like, look, you're smart, but you're making excuses. Your life is not a theory. You're, I said, um, he says, man, but you know, like the real world. I said, you're standing in the real world. Right. Right. I told him, I said, this right here, you're huffing and puffing, right? <laughs> you know, this is the real world. I said, civilization is a construction. 
civilization sits on top of the real world. Mm -hmm. And you need to understand that because everything, everything that, that you're talking about, that you think is a responsibility, you can walk away from, right? Anything that you lose, you can replace financially. Yeah. You can get another job. You can, you can make more money. You can do all of those kinds of things. I said, what you really need to do is decide what's important for you, what's truly important, and stop using those other external things as excuses yeah. because that's what you're doing, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it's like saying, look, you've been hunting for 10 years, you know, you've been hunting elk for 10 years and you never learned how to bugle a cow call mm -hmm. and you keep going back to the same place year after year to hunt in an area that don't have any animals in it <laughs> that look like a fishbowl. <laughs> so basically your excuses will lead you to a place where there's no harvest. That's exactly right. Well, and that's exactly you have a harvest. You have a harvest of nothing. Exactly. Exactly. Just like um, there's no such thing as, um, you know, not making a decision, right? Yeah. You're always making a decision. Yeah. You know, I'm undecided. No, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. You're deciding. You just don't want to own it, own the decision that you're making. So you use a word called indecision, but that's just a game, you know, like, uh, one of my professors said to said to us, he says, resistance is clever, but it is not smart. Yep. Right. Yep. And uh, so, yeah. I don't I'm want like, people to miss what you're saying. So you're saying that even when you say you're indecisive or no decision, you've actually made a decision. There's yes, no such have. thing as no decision. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Uh, that's BS. <laughs> it's like, if there's, so... Dear listener, the universe is a principle-based system that you live in. Mm -hmm. If you do not have an answer to something, you can find it. Yeah. Because surely as the seasons come around every year after every year after year, it's letting you know that there is a pattern, right? Yeah. And within those patterns are solutions. So you can find any answer that you really need to find if you want to search for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but you can also find zero success too, in a sense, if you want to. But there is no such thing as not being successful. There yeah. is only not uh, enjoying what you actually produce with the decision that you make. Right? I like that. You know, one of the things that you've said repeatedly in our intensives is uh, there's no such thing as failure. You get what you want a hundred percent of the time. And yep. people with the idea that circumstances are what is ruining their lives or people are ruining their lives or they're powerless um, to make change that is a decision in itself because if you really want it, you will do it. I mean, it's that simple. In fact, it's a science. So like when you said the universe runs on principles, so does the, the brain, you know, and the mm. science of the brain is the more you think about something and then you begin to plan and then you begin to research and you begin to make those uh, different decisions, you actually arrive at what you have been meditating on. And, you know, mm -hmm. for a lot of people, 
like I've had people laugh at me where, um, you know, I tell them, I said, habit formation is not big sweeping changes. Habit formation is, um, you know, tapping into the desire, uh, educating yourself, researching, listening to experts, and then making small changes. And so I'll tell people, if you know that you need to go to the gym, that Mm -hmm. idea of you need right there is the wrong foot Mm -hmm. because we don't, we don't respond well to obligation. What we respond to is desire. So even switching up the language, right? So it's like, I want to go to the gym. Okay. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put an interrupt in there and you're going to just drive to the parking lot Mm -hmm. and then go home. (laughs) But you've got a victory and at least you got in your car and you went yeah. And then decide to do it the day after, you know, the next. And then before you know it, you're going to find yourself wanting to go into the gym. So there's laws of thought that people need to understand. But also, as you begin to pursue those dreams, there comes a responsibility of steward the, stewarding them and recognizing the cost involved to achieving them. Yeah, intentionality is a, um, is a real thing. And... It's no accident, mm-hmm. right? It's it's no accident. This is what we're saying. It's like what I what I witnessed when I was in the forest, in the mountains. I was witnessing an individual's intentionality, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, so you want something easy, and you chose the most difficult hunt um that there is Mm. when you when you think about it right yeah so so why the you know this is why i was saying that you know like the 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 elk is like metaphor it's it's mythical i mean when you think about an animal uh, when you compare it to other uh what they call servants in its class deer antelope and stuff like that the elk is very low in numbers very low in numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point that you could they could be extinct in a hunting season, mm. right? But it it takes 10 years to get one because you know why? Because most people are not willing to pay the cost and they try to shortchange it and they come home with excuses, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But the excuses that they come home with is not anything other than their lack of preparation um the true understanding of what's going on when you're in the forest yeah and you're dealing with something that's um interacting with you yeah just like any just like your your actual goals and dreams your actual goals and dreams are interacting with your thoughts all the time yeah right they come closer or they get further away from you based on your thinking your dedication um your intent to uh, achieve that goal no matter what, and then your persistence. All of those things are dynamics that are constantly determining whether or not how close you are to obtaining what you want, Mm -hmm. right? And how elusive it can be. You know, Coach, I'm going to have to pull out my preacher cap for just a second because this story keeps coming up to me, and I think it is a perfect example. (laughs) So... There's a, there's a, a story and I 
think it might be John chapter 5. And Jesus shows up there and he sees this man by the pool of Siloam. And he makes a beeline to him. You know what I mean? So you got all these other people around because supposedly with this pool, you know, an angel would come down and stir the waters like once a day. And so people would just, I guess, throw themselves in the water. They'd come out healed. Okay. So Jesus sees this one man over there. He makes a beeline to him. And the first thing out of his mouth is, do you want to be made well? Okay. Mm -hmm. It's not, do you need to, do you hope to, do you want it? Cause I'm right yeah. here. You're about to yeah. get it. Right. Yeah. If I, now it's a good thing. I wasn't Jesus. Cause I, I will tell you my response, what it would be. So <laughs> he asked him, do you want to be made well? And I'm going to put the whiny voice on. Cause this is how I picture him. Well, you know, I can't, I mean, for 38 years, I've been trying to get in the water and I can't get in the water. Now, obviously he didn't have, you know, a backwoods hick accent, but, and it's like 38 years. Like I would have been like, what have you been doing? Like, why, why are you not sleeping next to the water? Like why, how come you haven't used innovation and creativity to figure out a way to get in the pool? You know what I mean? Like have people there to throw you in the pool. I mean, I don't know, but to me, if I really wanted to be well, I would have figured out a way to get right next to that pool. That would have been my response to him. What are you doing? You know, the mm -hmm. only reason you're not in the pool is you actually don't want it. Exactly. And uh, so he, you know, he heals them and then he ends up ratting them out to the religious people. Uh, but that's the thing. It's like a lot of people are camping out next to the pool. They're telling you how much they want to get in that pool. They're telling you all the reasons why they've not been able to make it into the pool. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> you don't yep. want to be in there or you would be in there. And, and a little bit of effort goes a long way. And so the excuses that people use are actually to me, the sound of, I don't really want it. Exactly. And what they, um, what they have a difficult time facing is the truth, their own truth, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I want to read something real quick. Okay. It says, until now, you may not have realized that the circumstances and others are the important elements needed for your journey. However, more important than this, you are circumstance. It is how you deal with circumstances based on the choices you make that determine the life you will experience, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so, again, if the person is not willing to accept responsibility for the choice they make, mm -hmm. then they're not going to have the quality of life, um, the experiences they desire. They will always remain elusive for that person, yeah. right? Always. And what you just said is this you don't want it badly enough mm -hmm. and so until you can accept that level of truth you're just having um a coffee shop conversation yeah you just talk that's really all you're doing right yeah and so 
when I watched the men up on the up on the mountain looking through their binoculars and saying, oh, it's over here. You know, how far is that? Well, that's about a thousand yards. Seems easy enough to get to. Except that thousand yards mean you also have to climb up that one mountain top and down to another valley and then up on another one, right? Yeah. And then when they realize what is required of them to get to there, then suddenly they start to rationalize rationalize um, a prize escaping them. Yeah. And so what they're doing is they're already preparing the story that they're going to tell others when they get back of why they didn't succeed. Yeah. And it was interesting. Yeah. How that, you know. And not only uh, that, because, Coach, but yeah. you said something earlier that I thought was important. When you said, um, how'd you put it? Like, understand that your decision will actually, um, like, it can, t- it can tie others to it or impact them. How'd you phrase that? Well, I think the way I, what I was saying is, is the fact that not only do you have to look at how uh, your rationalization impact your dreams, mm-hmm. but you are also saddling other people in your life to your rationalization. Yeah. So, so, you know, if we're talking about the husband in the family um, and he's supposed to have a leadership role, Right. Well, if he does not strive to reach his highest level, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. His highest level, then he he ties his wife to his fear, his mediocre yes. existence, the lack of power and impotence um of his decision making and his children because they'll see that exactly right and so then he's wondering why something in his household doesn't quite work well you've set it up not to work yeah because you've demonstrated to them that you only want to go so far and now you have this woman in your life that's thinking am i going to spend the rest of my life Am I going to die in this kind of a situation? Unfortunately, many of them do. And what I mean die is, you know, not necessarily physically, but emotionally and psychologically, something um, goes away from the person, like their spirit, something within them starts to to, to die. Yeah. Uh, they become almost like a ghost. They become sh- a shell of themselves. But that is exactly what happens to the person when he says, well, you know, if I had time to do this or if I had this situation or that situation, um, that excuse is the rope that he also ties around his family. When so, you were talking, Coach, I thought of two people um, when uh, as far as the impact of your decisions and that um, they can actually have worldwide just one decision can have worldwide impact. And so I wanted to um, end with two uh, of those people. One of them is Rosa Parks. And if you look at her decision, I'm not moving. Mm-hmm. It sparked the, the time was ripe 
for that shift in culture. Mm-hmm. And it came at a deep, deep, deep price uh, mm-hmm. for her personally, but also Dr. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. But then you also look, there's this other guy, and uh, his name is William Seymour. And he was back in the, um, I love him. He was back in the early 19, uh, you know, like 1908 maybe. And he was hungry uh, for, and and this is just a little bit of my revival history coming out, Coach, but he was hungry for legitimate experience in God, not what people that have never experienced it tell you from pulpits. And so... It was during the time of, you know, Kansas, a lot of people don't know in the Civil War, Kansas was called Bloody Kansas for a reason. It was one of the most racist um, states there was in the Union. And so a lot of death, a lot of things going on there. Well, anyway, uh, so that was post-Civil War, but not long. You know, people still had memories of it. So he's a black man that travels from, if I'm not mistaken, California. He goes over to Kansas to this school by this guy, uh, I think his name was William Parham. And at the time, there were segregation laws. So he couldn't go into the classroom. So this man would sit outside the door and listen to the lessons. And he got everything he needed. And he went back to California and he kicked off Azusa Street. Those two people come to my mind because... You've got a hunger that was so intense that their external environment had no um, no position of influence or dominance when it came to them having what they wanted. Does that make sense? They were willing to do whatever it took. Last night I had a training at 7 our time. A lady from Switzerland got up at 3 a.m. to be on the training. Mm-hmm. that's hunger. So mm-hmm. never underestimate the power of your desire and hunger like you had for hunting and never underestimate your decision, not only impacting you and your family, but sometimes you might be surprised it impacts the entire world. You know, you see, a man, woman, can never know the impact of their decision until they make it. You see, that's the one interesting thing about life. Life does not give you the ability to be able to stand in the position you are and look around the corner. As a matter of fact, you can only see so far in a straight line before your vision gets kind of hazy, right? Because you you don't you don't have the vision of an eagle. You don't get to see two miles down the road clearly, sharply. No, you don't. After a while, things start to get hazy which is another way of saying it's like you have to make a decision first. And when you make that decision, you don't get to have control over the outcome. Right. So you better make sure that you are intentional about the decision that you make and what, and that you're that the desire that whatever that motivation is that causes you to make that decision, that is rooted in something that's real. Yeah. And in this case here, the two individuals that you're talking about, it was like, they make a decision that is bigger than themselves. and But they didn't realize it. You know what I mean? No, like, they didn't realize yeah. it. Yeah. And, um, but there's also something else um, in the heart of those two people. And this is something that I, again, I just want to say this when I was up on the mountain is 
when I'm even looking at the guy that's with me, it's like, you know what? Your your heart needs to be in another place. Yeah. Your heart needs to be in the other place. And and it's weak. And that's why you're making excuses. Your heart is weak. And um, and your mind, for all its giftedness, does not possess the ability to launch you forward. You got to center that thing deep within you, you know, a visceral experience. I think and, Coach, when you're talking, you know, like the cost that people aren't willing to pay the cost when it comes to their dreams, I think that people also need to have a recognition that we don't live on a planet where we're not interconnected. And the cost may actually be greater if you don't follow your dreams. Like it's not just a me, myself, and I. You are connected to people all around you. And the cost of you not living the life you want could actually impact people in negative ways. And you living the life you want to design could actually impact a lot of people in a positive way. Well, you just spoke, uh, you you know, that's a mic drop because it does. And uh, unfortunately, the individual lacks the foresight to think that way. And that's why they keep making the decisions. And this is why um, the smallest number of people on the planet live uh, extraordinary lives. And the greatest number of people on the planet are watching and reading about it. I think that's a good place to end this episode, Coach. All right, then. <laughs> <laughs> okay.